We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on that's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show number 19. We got an action packed episode for you. A lot of big news to talk about today. And uh, we're recording a little bit early in the week. It's Friday. Normally we do it on a Sunday. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, Scott, what's up? Hey, Andrew, how you doing, man? Uh, on this beautiful Friday, I'm ready to go. We do have some some big news, some some interesting things happening on the site, and uh, and definitely with the team and with the two of us. So uh, yeah, let's get into it. So you teased it last episode that we had some big news for our next episode. So without further ado, why don't you announce what that news is? Sure. Well, if you follow us on social media by now, you've already seen this. But uh, you know, this is something that's been in the works for a little while, and uh, you know, we are just. Really, really excited uh, is is kind of an understatement, but um, we've actually joined and, and are now partners with the Yes Network, and uh, we're uh, we're an official partner with those guys. So they're we're going to be creating content, and um, the Yes Network is actually going to be sharing a lot of our content on their website and their social media accounts and things like that. So. Um, 
yeah, you know, this is this is kind of a, a long-term vision of mine when I started this site a long time ago was to kind of get get a little bit further and uh, a partnership with the Yes Network kind of, you know, to me gives some um, more, I don't know, I guess it's a little bit more legitimacy. legitimate yeah. legitimacy, you know, it gives you some more credit, it gives you a little more clout um, within the uh, the sports blogging industry. So, you know, it's kind of a testament to see how the sports journalism and media and bloggersphere has changed over the past five to ten years and how a site like ours now can be, you know, recognized and, and actually join um, as a partner with, uh, you know, a, a huge news entity uh, like the Yes Network. So, you know, we're really excited. Uh, I, I know we're going to be working our butts off and putting out some awesome content. And um, I know the Yes Network's excited to have us too. So all around, uh, it's a really cool deal. It really is. It's so awesome. And I mean, everything you just said, I, I w- I'll reiterate, but it, it really, like you said, legitimizes us and also expands our reach to people who maybe have never heard of Bronx Pinstripes. Maybe they'll now find out about the blog or, or, or you know, social media accounts or the podcast. And the more people we can reach, obviously, the better. That's what, that's what we're doing this for. So I could not be more uh, pleased and excited to, to get this going with the Yes Network. Yeah, it is super exciting. And I think, you know, some people get into the word legitimize and I don't know, sometimes it's like a little like you're not legitimate before that happens because that's not what I believe, you know, and I think different people will will look at this um, obviously with a different angle. But, you know, having that little logo next to you when you're talking about the Yankees and they are the broadcast for the New York Yankees, um, and obviously the Yankees own part of the the network. You know, it's a big deal at that point, and um, you know, you're you're obviously doing something right. And I like to think that we've been doing something right for a while. So I'm glad um, that you know this partnership could uh, could come to fruition. And you know, we've added some some new uh, new blood in the Bronx Pinstripes family, as we talked about the last episode. And so now we have some we have a lot of people who are ready to go and um, and, and ready to create some awesome content. So this will be the first podcast that's released since since the news. So if there is anybody new listening, welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We're happy that you're listening and and hope you enjoy it and come back for more. That's All right, right no that's doubt. enough. Of, that's enough of that stuff. So uh, the reason I mentioned that it's uh, we're recording early is because I'm actually going to be gone for the next about week and a half. So I'm not going to be able to record uh, some episodes coming up, and I know we're going to have some guys in, um, some new guys in, uh, some that you've heard maybe that you haven't heard uh, for upcoming uh, next episode and a half. I know Rich will be in with you on Sunday to to recap all of the games. What we're going to do today is go through some mailbag qu- uh, questions, some of the voicemails that we've got in. We did get some voicemails, which is cool. And also some news, because even though it was only uh, two games played this week, a lot happened. I mean, there's been a crazy amount of news that's gone on this week already with the call-ups and, and people getting sent down and, uh, you know, the, the bullpen mess that happened um, in the last game. So, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of stuff going on, and um, so we, we have a, a tremendous amount of stuff to talk about. And unfortunately, I'm going to miss – I'm thinking about, like, the next week, it's, it's going to be a lot of stuff going on. A-Rod's going to get his 3,000th hit, and there's going to be old-timers day, and I'm probably going to miss both of that. Yeah, you didn't plan your 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 trip very well. No, what, there's there's a lot of good things on their calendar ready to come up. You, you know, maybe we need some foresight on that next time. When I planned this back <laughs> in February, I wasn't thinking Arod was going to be at three thousand hits in the, in early June. I figured it would take him to about late July. Yeah, if he was still on the field at that point, right? No, I get it. It's uh, it's definitely it's definitely earlier than I think anybody expected for him to be talking about um, getting to that point. So, so you you're going to go to Old Timers Day, right? 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna be at Old Timers Day. I'm I'm actually really excited for it. They just announced um, this past week the uh, the lineup for it. So there's gonna be a bunch of uh, a bunch of awesome Yankees there. Uh, Willie Randolph is getting honored. Um, so we're gonna be doing. It's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be a great day. I think they want everybody in the in the seats and festivities are gonna start at four o'clock. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun, and we're actually going to be doing uh, something new for Bronx Pinstripes as well. We're, we're actually have been planning some some video content that we're going to be putting out uh, this season, and that's going to be the first day we're actually going to be filming outside the stadium. We're going to be doing like fan interviews. So if you're at Old Timers Day before before the festivities start, look look for us outside, um, probably outside Gate Four. I'd say we're going to be around that area, um, but look for us. And if you see us, uh, you know we're we're going to be looking for people to get on camera and ask. Some uh, some good questions, and we'll turn that into a, kind of a new series that we're going to be doing. Yeah, that's awesome, and definitely want to want to see some of that. And um, similar to the new series, the Bronx Faithful, it sort of ties in together, right? Get you know get involved with with the fans more, and, and post some of the videos and pictures on the site that of the fans out at the stadium. Yeah, I mean, that's how this thing started, right? Five years ago, this thing started with uh, one fan that turned into three fans, that turned into five fans, that turned into 26 fans writing, and we're all fans doing this for the fans. So, you know... I, it just makes sense to to start engaging more and and really getting out into the uh, the Yankees fan community. So this is going to be a cool way to do it at the stadium. And then obviously Bronx Faithful is a really good way for you guys to kind of say hi to us and show us uh, you know what you're doing throughout the week at the games. Uh, maybe you're watching the game somewhere else. Um, that's cool. You know, set, just sending us pictures with uh, the hashtag Bronx Faithful um, is uh, is just a good way for for us to to see you guys too. Awesome. So as I mentioned, you and Rich are going to recap the games uh, later in this episode. But what we're going to do now is get into the mailbag. So you ready to go? Let's do it. All right. What do we got first up? So the first mailbag that we got was uh, from James, and it was an A-Rod question. Sorry, James, I didn't get your Twitter handle. Um, so make sure you guys are putting that in the body of the the, the mailbag uh, form as well. So the first question is, A-Rod is going to get his 3,000th hit soon. What type of reaction will he get from fans, from media, from the Yankees organization? Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a good question, and it's a question we're all, I think, wondering. He, he's eight hits away. It's Friday the 12th. He's eight hits away. He's not unless he gets like super hot over the weekend. He's not going to get it over the weekend. So it's either going to come in Miami, which is his hometown, or it's going to come back at the stadium next week against Miami, um, or or in the next home stand. I think they're playing Baltimore. Um, so yeah, it's coming up soon, and I think from fans, they're going to support him as they have all year. It's pretty amazing to think about at the beginning of the season. A Rod, I think, in his first at bat, got some like fifty percent booze, fifty percent sort of you know soft claps, and that's it. Every time he comes to the plate now at the stadium, it's a standing ovation. It's insane to think about. So from a fan perspective, they're going to support him a hundred percent because he's been playing well, and that's really the name of the game. From the organization, I don't have a clue what they're going to do or how they're going to acknowledge it. Obviously, they can't ignore it because. That's just the elephant in the room. But if I if I were guessing, I'd say they have a little mini, you know, sort of montage on the video board, you know, and, you know, say congratulations. And, and that's about it. They're not going to monetize it. As we know, that, that's been a huge thing. So from the organization perspective, don't expect anything big. So, I mean, I think we're going to get a similar reaction to what we got. You know when he's when he's hit a couple of these other milestones, it's going to be pretty subdued, uh, especially from a Rod. So that's that's the most that that to me that's one of the biggest things that I'm going to be looking for is how he handles it and um, knowing 
or seeing what he's done in the past this year when he's hit some of the other milestones, he's been just very subdued and said, you know, I respect the game type thing. Like, you know, I respect the numbers. It's great to be here. Um, and I, I'm glad we're winning, and I'm glad I can help contribute. That's kind of been his his uh, his underlying theme. So the team will the team will recognize it on the board if it's at home. Obviously, I think in Miami they would get the best reaction. Baltimore, um, or it would be at Yankee Stadium. So I think he'll get a good reaction. You know, I, I still think it's going to be split. I don't think it's 100 percent by any means, but uh, because he is helping the team right now, uh, you know, he's he, it's what have you done for me lately? And and he's helped the team, so he's he's in he's in the good graces right now. So mad I'm going to miss that. Just because it's going to be such a circus, I'm going to have to be following on my phone. I'm going to be in Europe, so I'm you know six hours ahead following on my phone, probably from some crappy Wi-Fi. But I, I don't want to miss it. But uh, unfortunately, I feel like I'm gonna. I actually don't think it's going to be a, a big of a circus as you you think it is because I mean we it's not like this is the first milestone that he's hit this year. You know, this is he's hit many already this year, but with passing you but know it, some huge Yankee names. So I, I really hits. don't think. 3,000 hits is, I think, bigger than any of the milestones he's had so far. Yeah, but I don't think anybody really uh, puts any weight into them, so that's why I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal. Um, I mean, yeah, it'll get attention, but I think he's going to play it down, and I think a lot of people will play it down. So it'll it'll be a moment, and I think that's gonna, where it's going to live and end Do you in think that moment. The, you think the game will stop and give him you know, his couple minutes like it did for Jeter and some of these other guys? If it's at home, I think the fans will kind of force that. If it's on the road, no. I don't think the game will stop. So I think if it's at home, then, yeah, I think the fans will, you know, kind of just, just continue to clap until he comes out for, you know, a curtain call type of thing, you know, similar to what happened last time. So that's that's kind of the way I see it going down. Yeah. And last thing I'll say about A-Rod is go check out the A-Bomb shirt in the Bronx Pinstripe Fan Shop. It's pretty cool. It is pretty sweet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, now we got some voicemails, right? We do have some voicemails. Uh, the first one is uh, Mike from California. All right, let's take a listen to that. Hey, guys. My name is Mike Towns. I'm out in California. Hey, just wanted to talk about the draft pick for a second. I'm Kyle Holder. Uh, I don't know if you guys already touched on it by the time you reach the mailbag, but in my opinion, I feel like they picked up another another duty. You know, a couple of spots that we're lacking this year are obvious in second phase, and in my opinion, shortstop with duty. And uh, Kyle Holder's notes say he's got a quote-unquote good club, which we'll, we'll see when he gets to the show whether that's true or not. But uh, but it also says that he, he doesn't have that great of a bat. So, my opinion, he got another duty. I, I would I would have rather seen a more well-rounded shortstop to play offensively and defensively. And, you know, it's hard to tell. He's, he's young, and we'll see what happens. I'm sure there's potential there, but... But what do you guys think? Did we get another duty, or um, is this guy gonna just back in a heat up and we can replace Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, great question. So the draft was this week. Um, there's a you know been a ton of stuff on our website about it, and I know I've read a ton of stuff about it. Uh, but the Yankees did draft a shortstop, Kyle Holder, from San Diego. And um, the question that Mike was asking is. If it's just another DD, because I think the book on this guy Holder is that he's a great glove, his defense is ready for the bigs, but his bat is not really anything special. Um, I've done, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on any of these guys that are being drafted because it's not like, you know, I've ever watched these guys play. But from what I've read is that his last season, uh, his offense improved. 
He had a slash line of 348, 418, 482. You know, I know that's, um, you know, it's not in, in the bigs or in professional baseball, but it's still a good line. Um, he's not going to be a power hitter. He's going to be sort of a, a contact guy. He'll play good defense at short. Uh, he's very athletic because he actually originally went to college, uh, signed on to college to play basketball. So, you know, he's uh, athletic as all hell. So the the one thing I see with this uh, with this guy is that he is um, that you mentioned it, how how much of an athlete he is, and I think that is something that's that's going to play to his uh, to his strong side because from the, what the scouts are saying is that he's got a, a lot of room to grow with the bat too, and I think that's kind of what they're seeing. They're seeing some potential with the bat, and uh, you know, obviously his his defense is there, and that's one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing, you're going to look for with a uh, shortstop. I mean, power hitting shortstops are few and far between. There are not many of them around. There used none, to be zero none of anymore. Them. None anymore. Not yeah, like Tulowitzki's. Tulowitzki's one of the big, you know, the big guy that you can think of. Yeah. Um, and and then A Rod when A Rod was A Rod at shortstop, but you know he. Uh, did, so this is the type of guy you want to see some potential with the bat, and then plus plus glove, and I think that's what we got. So um, it's too early to say who he is or what he is. You know he's got to obviously develop and uh, and see how he comes out. Let's also not forget about Jorge Mateo, uh, shortstop who's in A ball for the Yankees. I think is considered the top shortstop in the system right now. And I know when we talked to Dan like a month and a half, two months ago, he was super high on Mateo. He said he's going to be the next Yankee shortstop. Uh, so, you know, Holder, let's see what he does. But I also think that we got to keep an eye on Mateo going forward. Yeah. And I mean, a slight footnote, too, is uh, we got a shortstop from the Nationals, uh, who was a second round pick in 2011, I think, for David Carpenter this past week as well. So that kind of throws Renata. another... Yep, that that throws another guy into the mix. While he has, I think, um, you know, gotten he's lower on on people's prospect list at this point. Um, he's still another name that that we could uh, that we could see. He's another guy who's got some speed. Um, I think he hit like 288. This is going off memory. 288 in the minors, and uh, so he's got some speed, good defense, and and can hit for average too. So um, there's another. Looks like we have some some competition coming up through. Uh, the minors and really at the big leagues uh, on the shortstop position too. So that's a good thing in my opinion. Yeah, the Yankees got him for David Carpenter. So the David Carpenter era in New York is officially over, which I think we're all pretty happy about. No. And, and, you know, that's one thing to talk about that, too, is, you know, last week we were talking about and I was making a note how I didn't really agree with the David Carpenter um, release over Esmeral Rogers. I, you know, if we're going to release one of them, I thought it should have been Rogers. But because of this, maybe this was the reason they did that. And it kind of makes more sense is that I, I think Carpenter definitely has more um, you know, more would have more interest on the market for a trade after you DFA him. you have. Um, you know, time to trade the guy. So he still, to my in my opinion, would hold value or has value in the National League because of his success, his success with the Braves. So yep. you know, that's another aspect of of the of the tr- of the the release that I kind of didn't uh, take into consideration at that point, but but does make sense. And don't be surprised if he has a pretty solid second half for the next. Seriously, you know, you know he will. You know he probably will, just despite us, just despite you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, take a listen to the next voicemail. Hey guys, it's Mike here calling from Ireland, uh, hoping that I'm your first overseas caller. Um, I live in Ireland here, and I'm a big Yankees fan. 
I am a Yankees fan since I lived in Brooklyn in the early or mid nineties, around about the time a young certain uh, Mr. Jeter was breaking on the scene. So uh, I listen to your podcasts every week from the MR Live here and uh, watch the Yankees, follow them on MLTV. But I wanted to get your guys' opinion on something that uh, doesn't happen very often, but uh, when it does, it just kind of. Uh, it kind of annoys me a bit, but um, if we go back to May 23rd and the Yankees' heavy 15-4 to loss to the Rangers, um, I was annoyed to see Garrett Jones come up to pitch late in the game. And I just want your guys' uh, thoughts and opinions on this aspect of the game because um, for myself, I think that this tactic is hugely disrespectful in a number of ways. Um, a, to the opposing team and that it kind of turns the game into a bit of a farce where professional MLB players have to face a guy who in the majority of cases, and especially in Garrett Jones' case, has not pitched since high school. Uh, B, that it's dangerous to the opposition batters and that it hugely increases the chance of injury with the higher chances of wild pitches. And uh, C, and to the fans who have paid their money, to support and watch their team try their best for the full game and be professional without doing it. To me, it sends out a message that we've now thrown in the towel and we're going to have a bit of fun now. And also to the game itself, uh, it's not the way the game should be played. Um, I think they should be using these um, uh, opportunities here to go to their bullpen, stick to the bullpen, give their relief pitchers some game time pitches under real game time conditions. Now, I just want your thoughts and opinions on this aspect of the game. And in light of my above <laughs> uh, previously mentioned grievances, um, I'd like to propose a new petition against this tactic, which I'm going to call the 5P petition. And I hope you guys are going to be the first to endorse it. It's the petition to prevent position players pitching. That's the five Ps. Well, look at guys. I enjoy the podcast. Look forward to it every week. Value your opinions. I think it's great. I've just signed up to the website and uh, look forward to, to hearing the next one. Go Yankees. How about that? An overseas call from Ireland. I was not expecting that. How about you? Yeah, well, we've we've officially crossed the pond, so uh, that's awesome, Mike. Thanks for calling in, and you definitely have an interesting perspective that I think a lot of people <laughs> over here did not think about. So, um, yeah, let's talk about it. So this call was caught me off guard for a number of reasons. Obviously, he's from Ireland, which is awesome. It's awesome that there's Yankee fans over there. It's awesome that he's listening to the podcast. And, you know, it's not easy to follow American sports from Europe because of the time difference. But uh, that's, you know, just sweet that that he's listening to us. So so thanks, Mike. Uh, the accent was awesome. But the, the, the take, uh, I've never heard this before. Um, basically saying that it's kind of disrespectful and he's annoyed by position players pitching. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but you see it in blowouts or, you know, marathon games. Um, to tell you the truth, I, I don't think I've ever thought about it from this angle before. But um, I don't think it's disrespectful like he was saying, but maybe that's like uh, a cultural thing for, for, you know, maybe the European sports or something like that, where putting in a guy at a position that he's not normally there for might be a, you know, sign of disrespect to your opponent. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of see where where he's coming from in that in that regard. I I personally don't think it is because I I think that the uh, that baseball has done this for a long time, and it's it's kind of you know a very small part of the game in blowouts when you run out of pitchers. I mean, this happens. Uh, that particular game, we had pitchers, but it was a blowout, so um, you know he came in to to throw a little bit. But at the same time, I, I get it. I see where you're coming from because I have I I follow a college football team very closely, uh, that uh, a school that I went to, and they were getting blown out at the end of a game, and um, they had they had brought they had actually run out of linebackers, and they brought a cornerback in to play linebacker, and I'm sitting in the stands like, why is this happening? This kid's going to get hurt first of all, and he can't stop anybody, and that's exactly what happened. One of the kids got hurt, and he couldn't stop anybody, and it turned into even more of a blowout. So like I see I see what you're saying in the regard that you know what player safety definitely um you know could come to when you're when you have when you're doing something you haven't done since high school there's a higher chance that you're going to get hurt uh, but a lot of these guys come in and they don't really overthrow they're they're kind of said hey don't overthrow just kind of groove it in there and um you know i think that's what uh, garrett jones was doing um but i mean I, I see what you're saying i don't necessarily agree with it but but i definitely understand uh, where you're coming from Jose Canseco hurt his shoulder. I think blew out his shoulder when he was with the Rangers pitching um, a number of years ago. So yeah, that's I mean, such a Jose Canseco move. Too. I know. Right? He really probably is. he probably went up there wanted to throw like ninety five miles an hour. Thought he could because he had like gallons of steroids pumped into his body. But yeah, I mean, you see guys get injured. Um, you hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it's going to change because. With the way teams are leaning on bullpens now, and we've seen it with the Yankees relying heavily on their bullpen, they're not going to waste an arm in a 10-run blowout game um, because it's just not worth it. You, you'd rather put in Garrett Jones, hope he gets three outs and doesn't hurt his shoulder, and move on to the next day. And granted, it doesn't happen that often. I mean, no. it's, it's it's very it's a it's a rare occurrence when this happens, and it's usually, uh, you know. To be fair to, to the situation, it usually happens when there are no more pitchers. You know what I mean? In like a, in an extra inning game, something a game that's gone really long and you're you're out of people. That's when it usually happens. I think this one was a little bit of a different circumstance. Um, so I, I could see this one being a little bit different in people's minds. Um, but usually it's it's because you're actually out of arms. It's kind of fun to see too. It is fun to see. I think I think the guys like it too. The, I think the players are like, yeah, you know, next man up. They kind of relish the situation to go in there and throw. But you know, it is an injury risk. It's fun to see guys also go up there trying to hit five hundred foot bombs off a seventy two mile an hour fastball. It's just like you're you're better off just swinging easy when they're trying to kill the ball and they usually pop up or something. Yeah, but no. Thanks for the call, Mike. Definitely thanks for for listening overseas and uh, thanks for the interesting perspective. Definitely, definitely appreciate the call and, and call in again. Uh, love to hear that accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got some other news. As we said, it was a really busy two days of baseball. The bad news is Andrew Miller is on the DL with a uh, sore forearm muscle strain, something like that. The thing I'm annoyed about is that he supposedly didn't tell the trainers for a couple days and then pitched with it and then after the game needed to go on the DL. Um, that's, you know, what are you doing? Like it happened with, uh, Chase Whitley too. And now he needs surgery. I'm not saying Miller needs surgery, but it's June. Just don't hide injuries. We need to get through the season healthy. I understand if it's October baseball and you want to man up and, and pitch through an injury. I'm all for that, but I don't want to see that happening in June. No, I agree with you. You know, if, if something is, this is not comfortable, especially in your throwing arm. You know, speak up. 
because we need you. We need you down the. We need you down the stretch. And you know, hopefully, it's nothing. It's just a little bit of, um, you know, a tweak or a, you know, some some kind of thing that's going with a tired arm, which we could talk about. I could talk about for hours. And and Girardi's uh, somewhat overuse of the back end of that pen. Um, but you know, hopefully, it's nothing. But yeah, man, speak up. We we, we need you. We need you. Yeah, and it's going to really hurt the pen because Miller and Batansis were lights out. They pretty much pitched in every game the Yankees won, it felt like. Now Batansis moves to the closer spot, and they have a gaping hole in the 7th and 8th inning. Yep, Chris Martin also coming up. Yep. Um, so or he's up now. It's, we're, this is a you, you're listening to this on Monday, so he's up. Um, but that's another guy that will be bolstering the, the, the pen and probably slot into somewhere in the back of it. So I wrote something... Um, uh, a couple days ago about what the Yankees should do with their bullpen issue now that Miller's on the DL. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but I think Adam Warren needs to go back to the bullpen. And I've changed my mind because last week I think I said, no way you can take Warren right. out of the rotation because he's pitching so well. And he is pitching so well. But the reality is they have more of a need right now in the bullpen than they do the starting rotation. It's it's going to be interesting to see what Girardi does, especially when Nova comes back. Uh, but yeah, I, he's 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 a guy who's had success in the pen, right? And that's what you're looking for as well. I mean, we could bring up people uh, to to slot in there, but you know, seeing what Warren has done in the past and really relish that role, you know, we know he can do it. You know, the problem is then when you do that, you know, he's no longer stretched out at that point. Um, I don't know. I don't think it would take that long for him to get stretched out again, but. You know, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, situation to to monitor as Girardi deals with <laughs> the the bullpen now uh, now without Miller and then the rotation when Nova's coming back um, and with all these moving parts. So it's it's definitely going to be a uh, lot of moving parts for Girardi to deal with. It's so funny during uh, Yankees chat on Monday on Twitter. One of the questions that we asked was, should the Yankees consider a six man rotation because we quote unquote have too much pitching. Um, and I think, uh, as the cliche goes, you can never have too much pitching because this stuff always works itself. It works itself out. Yeah, that's exactly why I think that they're going to go after uh, a bullpen arm and a uh, a starting arm around the trade deadline. I think those are going to be priorities for them to to look for and see what's on the market um, because you can never have enough. You just you just can't. Uh, other news, other roster news, is that Mason Williams was called up, uh, who's an outfielder, uh, and Ramon Flores was optioned down, and Flores had a nice little stay with the team. Flores did a great job. You know, he's got he obviously showed what he can do on on both sides of the ball. Really, he he made some tremendous plays in the outfield. Uh, he shows that he has a really good arm and an accurate arm. He made some really great throws to home plate, um, and and you know he uh, he he defends left field very well. Um, and you know he was no slouch with the bat either. I mean he he had some pop. Um, and, and he was a, he had a really good showing when he was up. So um, I think uh, Mason Williams gives a little bit more flexibility defensively in the outfield as well. Yep. So and he's been you know Mason Williams was our top prospect for a long time. Um, he kind of slid down the board a little bit, but he's he's had somewhat of a resurgence this year, and you know has, has had a really good year in AAA, and uh, you know is looking to build on that hopefully in the bigs. Like you said, I think this is a little bit of a reward for him for having such a good year so far. Also the versatility, and I think he's probably going to be that sort of rotating outfielder along with Chris Young until we get Ellsbury back and healthy. Yep, I totally agree with you. Um, And then uh, some other uh, news. I don't know if this is news or or what it is, but it seems like they're starting to manage Batances' innings because he was unavailable in Wednesday's game, which the Yankees ended up losing, and Miller went on the DL, and it was just a big cluster. 
But Betances is on pace for 88 innings, and last year he pitched 90 innings, and I think that's just too much. That They don't want to go that far with him. They probably want to be more around 75 or so, 75 to 80 at this point. Um, so they're, I think they're going to start to monitor his innings, and it really couldn't come at a worse time considering all the, all the struggles in the pen and, and Miller on the DL and everything. But it's probably a good thing for the long run. Yeah, again, you know, I know Rich and I are going to get into this later in the episode about about that game, and I mean, I was I was besides myself when I when I didn't see Batances coming in for uh, the eighth inning, and I saw Avaldi going back out, but that's that's for in a little bit. Um, but yeah, they are going to start managing it. Uh, you know, obviously at that point we didn't realize the Miller injury, so there there were a whole bunch of thoughts going through my mind that I think changed afterwards when I heard about that that injury as well. So um, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, I don't know how much you can really manage. Uh, especially when you need him in the back. I mean, it's 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 going to be a situation where he is right now. Honestly, I, I'd say Justin Wilson is up there in Girardi's book because he, he's done well. Um, but Batances is one of the guys that he can trust. One of the only guys he can trust at this point. Um, you know, he took out Chase uh, Chase and Shreve uh, yeah. last week in a in a very weird situation where I didn't think he needed to come out. And so I, I don't know if that shows a distrust or again his binder was telling him something different. But you know, Batantis is that that guy, that rock solid guy that he trusts. I know we've mentioned this um upset about Girardi's management of the pen, but I think one of the reasons we see Batantis's innings piling up early in the season is because sometimes he's used unnecessarily. For instance, in that seven to two game in Seattle, what the hell is Girardi doing pitching him for the ninth inning? It's just unnecessary. Yeah, I agree, and and you know it's somewhere it says that hey he needed work on this day, and and that's why he get he came in the in the game probably, but you know that's those are perfect situations where you do not need to bring him in, and you can manage you know the innings at that point. There's no reason to bring him in at that point. Absolutely. So it's been a busy week, and I'm sure it'll be a busy next couple weeks. The next time I talk to you guys will be uh, in the uh, two weeks from now. So I'm sure I'll have to play catch up, but. Until then, uh, enjoy the rest of the episode and talk to you guys later. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second half of the Bronx Pinstripe Show, number 19. Appreciate you guys for sticking around. Andrew has flown across the pond. He is uh, gallivanting around Europe, so we're going to be without him for the rest of this episode and next episode, but uh, he'll be back the week after that. So today we have uh, Mr. Rich Kaufman, who is the Bronx Pinstripes writer and editor. So Rich, thanks for coming on, man. No problem, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, we actually won a game today. This is Sunday that we're recording this, so things are are, are back on track again. We, you know, we 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 kind of stopped that uh, that's this losing streak. It usually is one winning streak, one losing streak, one winning streak. So we stopped that. Right. Yeah. They won eight in a row. I fully expected them to lose ten out of eleven again. It's just a strange team, but uh, they uh, avoid getting swept and um, try, try to start another winning streak. That's right. And, uh, you know, I tell you, we ran into a hot Baltimore team. You know, that that has to be said because those guys were kind of firing on all cylinders this weekend. Yeah, uh, they were coming off, coming off a sweep of uh, the Red Sox. And uh, if they'd won on Sunday, uh, it would have been their first consecutive sweeps of the Yankees and Red Sox since 1970. Wow. So Yankees kind of avoiding some bad history uh, by getting the win uh, on Sunday. 
Yeah, no, that's crazy. That's a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. That that kind of talks, I think, to the um, you know the strength of the AL East and how you know how good it's been over the past you know as long as I can remember. It's been it's been a solid division. So getting sweeps in this division are very uh, you know they're far and and uh, and few and far between. Yeah, I mean uh, division play, you gotta you gotta win those games. Uh, the Yankees played a lot of games early against the AL East. They did well. Um, and especially in this division, obviously, when everyone's bunched together, you got to get those wins when you can. Yeah, and I think since you know Andrew and I were talking on Friday, um, Baltimore uh, kept on their winning ways. Toronto won again, so they've won I eleven, think, eleven in a row now. So they're definitely the hottest team in the AL East. And I, I saw a, a stat was I think over the past week or over the past seven games or whatever it was, um, Toronto was leading in pretty much every statistical category that you can that you can have in the AL East. ERA, batting average, home runs. Like these guys are firing on all cylinders. So, um, you know, we, we need to, to keep this winning up or, or they're going to be uh, creeping up real soon. Yeah, I think the, their run differential is the best in the league. Um, and last year it was Oakland uh, and they were on their way um, to deep in October, but it obviously didn't happen. But usually the teams with the big uh, run differentials uh, do well. Yeah, and you know the Blue Jays have always been that team, where like you know they're there and they're they're a threat. But I mean, do we really take them as seriously as we do some of these other teams? Because you know, in in the recent past, they haven't really been able to close the deal, you know, late in the season and and actually really threaten a division title. Yeah, I feel like every year people pick the the Blue Jays as right. oh, this is the year they break through, uh, and then something happens, and then they just fall. Uh, they fall to the basement uh, in the ALE. So I really can't believe it. Um, until we get further on into the summer. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I mean, they've been adding a lot of people in the offseason. They've been probably one of the most active teams in the offseason uh, over the past recent years with, with adding talent. And they definitely have a lot of good, especially offensive talent, I'd say. I'd still say oh, that's crazy. Yeah, they're, and they're, but their pitching to me is still very suspect. And, you know, maybe they're, running a, they're riding out a hot streak, but I, I fully expect that, push, that, that pitching to, uh, to calm down a little bit. Yeah, we see it every year. They that big injury to um, what's his name, Stroman. Yep, yep. That, that hurt them right at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll just wait until they uh, they fall off. But they beat up on the Red Sox again Sunday, so. All right, so Rich and I are going to go through the games for this week and, and kind of talk about what the Yankees did. Um, but first, uh, since the last time Andrew and I recorded, we've had some news. You know, we've, this has been a ridiculously busy new, news week uh, for the Yankees. So. Uh, let's touch on a couple of things. We had some guys moving up and down um, with the club, and so now we have some new faces and kind of a, a reshaped bullpen, you know, with the lefty righties. Um, so the first, the first thing we'll talk about, I guess, is Espino Rogers was outrighted after after Friday's game, right? Yeah, it's it's about time to be honest. Uh, I think every Yankee fan was waiting for this to happen because uh, it was really never a good sign when you saw Rogers come into a game. Um, He's just and, one of those guys where everybody, you're right, everybody cringes. You're like, oh, here comes Rogers. So yeah, you know. and it's not, and it's not his pitching so much that his pitching is. I mean, it's awful. But when he comes in, the game just slows down to a snail to a snail's pace. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's hard to watch. So the corresponding move to the outright of Rogers was uh, Sergio Santos was brought up, which he was recently added to uh, um, the the club on a minor league contract after he was released from the Dodgers. So he is now in the bullpen and had a really really good first showing, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He kind of uh, 
Esmer Rodgers in disguise. Yeah, it was a, so the first the, his first batter was a was a home run given. I don't even remember who it was, but it was a home run right over the uh, top of the fence. So hopefully he's uh, he's we're looking for some better times from him. You know we've seen it in the past from him. He's had some injury bugs, so hopefully he can kind of settle into a, a nice spot as a re, uh, right hand reliever out of our pen. Um, I think the biggest move since uh, since Friday, last time we talked, was uh, was Lindgren. Jacob Lindgren was sent down, which is kind of a, a surprising move to a lot of the Bronx faithful, I think. Yeah, I think the Yankees wanted to make sure that when they called him up, he was going to be here to stay. Um, you know, they didn't really want to send him back down because that could be pretty, uh, you know, debilitating to a young pitcher. It could really shake his confidence. But he really didn't pitch well after his first few outings. Right. Uh, he's given up a lot of home runs, three home runs in seven innings. And um, that's really not what you want. To steal a Girardi line, that's not what you want from a uh, yeah. from a reliever coming out of the pen. And do you, I mean, are you uh, personally, just by looking at the way he pitched, are you concerned about his stuff translating into the bigs? No, no, I don't think so. I think he just needs more experience. He's only 22. Yeah. Uh, he was drafted a year ago. Uh, his slider is filthy. He can get lefties out with it righties out with it um but his control is a problem i think he had four walks in seven innings um so he's the uh, yankees probably want to get him some work in uh, in the minors but I, I think uh we'll see him again this year yeah i agree with that i think you know it was you know maybe it was the first uh first first uh, call up of the year jitters type thing and and he just wasn't pitching as well so hopefully he settles down and and can really contribute and i think he will i think he's i think he's going to be a uh, a staple in the bullpen for a lot of years for this team yeah, um, and then that corresponding move was uh, Jose Ramirez was, was brought up and brings another right-handed relief pitcher into the pen, and he, uh, he you know, he's been up in the past. He hasn't had the the greatest success. He's one of those guys. I feel like he's like a Valdi to me, right? Like I'm a potential guy. I love the potential, and I see it. And he's got plus stuff, uh, but he hasn't been able to really put it together in in New York. Yeah, uh, he throws hard, which obviously the Yankees like. You know, they like those guys that uh, that can get it up there in the mid-90s. Um, he's got a good changeup. Um, and you said he was up already. Uh, he was up. At, he made his debut last year. Yeah. Uh, but he was up this year for one game in May. Uh, and he gave up a bunch of runs and was sent down right after. But um, hopefully he can stick this time because the Yankees need all the righties they can get out of the pen. It's true. We need some dependable right-handed relievers. I mean... As much as much crap as everybody gives, and I give, I know I give it to him to, to Joe Girardi. Yeah. You know what he's working with is is becoming a problem. It really it's not becoming a problem. It is a problem. It's a problem right now with the guys that he's sending out there and and who he can actually rely on. So yeah. hopefully Ramirez is you know one of those guys that can actually uh, step up to the plate and, and and fill that role as a as a young guy. So um, good deal. So let's let's actually start getting into the the games for the week. Yeah, you know, we have um, we had what two we had an off, two off days. We had Monday and Thursday, uh, so a little bit of a short week of baseball, but definitely a lot of things going on. Um, started with uh, with Washington and uh, Tanaka Tuesday. Yeah, Tanaka Tuesday, and uh, he's been great since he since he's come off the DL with that wrist uh, forearm injury. Um, he won seven innings um, against the Nats, uh, got the win, and um, since he's come off the DL, uh, he's made two starts, uh, including that one Tuesday. Uh, he's, he's 2-0, pitched to a 1.29 ERA, uh, 15 strikeouts in 14 innings, eight hits, and the most impressive thing probably is no walks. Yeah. Um, to have that control after missing, what was he, about out for about a month? Yeah, it was about a month. 
yeah, I mean, that's just it speaks to how much of a, how much of a freak he really is. Well, and and it also speaks to the fact that you know the injury injury seems to be uh, truly unrelated to the elbow, and and that's that's what he said in the beginning. So we got to start believing everything he's saying, right? Because he's telling us the truth. It seems like I mean he's been dominant since he's come back from that injury. Yeah, I mean it's up to him to let the Yankees know what's bothering him and if his elbow is bothering him, and um, clearly it's not. Uh, yeah. I mean you, you kind of hold your breath every time he goes out, but. For now, I mean, he's pitching like he um, like he hasn't missed a beat. So, and one of our writers, Nick uh, Nick Delante, wrote an article about uh, Tanaka, kind of to the fans. It was kind of an article just saying, "Hey, look, he says he's not injured. He's not injured. So let's stop talking about it every time he comes out." I mean, the guy is a healthy pitcher right now, standing on the mound and delivering just very good starts for the Yankees. So the the conversation of him being hurt is really a moot conversation at this point. Yeah, I mean, his velocity isn't really up there, but it doesn't matter because he's locating. He's still hitting 95. Um, I mean, he had 95 his last half. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he can ramp it up when he wants to, which is good to see. Um, You know, he has no reservations about emptying the tank. Um, but his pitches move so much that he can he can put the ball wherever he wants. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think so. One of my favorite pitchers for the Yankees just ever all time is uh, El Duque Orlando Hernandez. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and just because I mean he was the type of guy that didn't have overwhelming stuff, right? He didn't have that that big plus fastball. But man, I tell you, that ball jumped out of his hand and it moved around and danced. And then the 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 pitch that I loved the absolute mo- the most was this Ephus. The Ephus, yeah, that thing was nasty. Yeah, do you remember when he threw that to A Rod when A Rod was on the uh, on the Rangers? That's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he tried to get A Rod twice with it, and the second time A Rod hit it about five hundred feet. But that's a pitch you don't want to throw uh, to a guy like that tw- two times. Uh, yeah, no, you're gonna <laughs> get beat. But no, Al Duque, I feel like he made up pitches uh, as he went along, um, and he was he was a gamer. He was, he was great. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, so back to that game on Tuesday. We had uh, my boy, my, my favorite <laughs> New York Yankee, our second baseman, Stephen Drew, yeah. <laughs> hit two home runs. So, you know, the, the Drew saga continues. Yeah, it's a love-hate relationship, I think, with Drew and Yankee fans. One day he's hitting two home runs, helping the team win. The next he's 0 for 4 with, you know, three weak pop-ups to the infield. Um, but I guess as long as he hits the ball out of the ballpark, and plays he's played great defense i can't knock him on that but yeah it, it kind of attributes the way the yankees are playing though they're feast or famine right i mean we, we yeah. win we go on a winning streak or we go on a losing streak there's no in between and it's the same thing with steven drew the guy's out there hitting an extra base hit because i think he's got some ridiculous amount of extra base hits compared to the amount of hits that he has and um and or it's you know it's a ridiculous terrible at bat so I don't know. He, he's kind of a microcosm of, of what we've seen this year. Yeah, um, I mean, the Yankees, they lead, I think they lead all of Major League Baseball in home runs with guys on base. And so it's feast or famine, like you said. They either hit home runs with guys on base or they don't hit at all with guys on base. They they just either clear them or they leave them on. It's it's strange. So for in this game too, we had a little bit of a, um, a a base running. It was I don't know I don't know call it a blunder, confusion, whatever it was. It was it was weird to the eye, you know, just just from watching it as well. Um, I know you were at the game, right? You were on uh, the third baseline. So why don't you take us through that play? Yeah, uh, third base was right in front of me, um, and uh, I forget who was up at the time. Was it uh, was it A Rod? Uh, I, d- I don't remember. I don't remember, but it was a line drive to uh, to center to span. I think it was span and center field. My, uh, Taylor, uh, Michael Taylor. Michael Taylor. Sorry, 
and um, Taylor Doe for the ball. Um, and you really couldn't tell if he caught it or not or if he trapped it. Um, and Teixeira just froze on third base and didn't move. Um, I think I don't think the umpire really signaled out or safe right away, so that might have confused Teixeira, but um, a lot of people around me were, were screaming at Teixeira for, uh, for not moving. Yeah, and I, I was watching it on television, and, and on, from watching it on television and actually seeing the replays, I'm, I'm still not convinced that you know, he didn't catch the ball. So it was, it was uh, you know, to the naked eye, and when you're playing and actually on the base path, I could see where the confusion was. And, and you're right, the umpire did not call that uh, play immediately. So, you know, I, I really personally don't blame Teixeira for, you know, for playing it safe. And, you know, if anything, when that ball's hit, maybe go back to the bag and be ready to tag, if nothing else, because if it gets down, you're scoring anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe you, can, you can talk about that. But, you know, all, all in all, it was kind of a weird play. It was. It's one of those plays where you kind of, everyone just freezes, uh, and from the way, from the angle of the ball, from from where I was, and obviously where Teixeira was, you couldn't see anything. Um, I guess he played it safe uh, by by standing on third. But the Yankees need every run they can get, and uh, we've seen them leave guys on base left and right. So uh, after that play, we were kind of scratching our heads, um, thinking the Yankees were going to get screwed again at scoring, but uh, it worked out well for them that game. Yeah, the only other note I, we we can pretty much pull from that game, and and this goes back to the the binder, I think, in some way, in some fashion that I don't even know about, is that uh, we, you know we had a five run lead in the ninth, and um, Andrew Miller was used. So why was he used? Why I, I have no idea. Uh, this was just ridiculous. I think um, it was a classic Girardi move. Yeah, uh, Miller's coming in five run lead. Game's pretty much over. Uh, I mean, Shreve was pitching at the time. He couldn't get one more out. Girardi cannot trust him to get one more out. And he has to bring in Miller, who's already pitched a lot this year. Uh, it just made no sense. And, and we're then, talking about a guy, Shreve, who's been pitching well. It's not like he's yeah. one, of the, one of the guys that we're blaming in this bullpen, right? He's been pitching well. Let him finish the game. Yeah, the guy's got a two ERA. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he gave a there was a, a runners on base that inning, I think, but it's a five run cushion. Right. Just let the guy finish the game and leave your horse in the pen. It just made no sense. And then to to make it worse, uh, Andrew Miller was then put on the DL after after that game. So, um, you know, the or the next day, right? So we now we now we know that there was something going on with with Miller. Um, right. And Miller said it was probably from fatigue. So the fact that he was used in a, in a five-run game the night before just makes it look awful on Girardi. Yeah, right. Well, it kind of yeah. supports everybody. I think a lot of people's um, notion on what, you know, what, you know, Girardi's been kind of mismanaging some of these guys uh, yeah. early on in the season. So, all right, good deal. So uh, that was a good win. Um, Wednesday we had uh, a, a kind of a different game. Um, the, the Yankees lost to Washington 5-4 in 11 innings. Um, but we actually came back in that game. Yeah, Gardner got the big hit on the eighth inning, four run eighth, um, and you figure the Yankees were on their way to winning. Uh, I think it was they were going for their eighth in a row, um, but uh, kind of fell apart there in the eighth inning. And and it was some a few head scratching things. Was you know, Evaldi was pitching that game and he was pitching relatively well. I mean, I 
with of all these other walking guys are, are getting you know uh, guys are hitting him it seems yeah. like and and he hasn't been able to to really lengthen his starts but you know he gets through seven innings and and is is doing a good job and at that point in my opinion I'm, I'm I'm tapping him on the on the on the butt and I'm saying hey good good job kid good work way to come back way to fight through this one and I'm gonna give the ball to somebody else. Girardi gives the ball back to Avaldi in the eighth inning, um, which I thought was you know the, the wrong move, and uh, and and he didn't get through it and and things happened. So what's your opinion on that? I might have to go the other way uh, with that. I think because Batances, well, we find out after the game that Batances right. wasn't available. Um, and that we didn't know yet about Miller. Uh, we just thought they were both, you know, getting rest. So I think Girardi wanted to squeeze everything he could out of Evaldi because he didn't he didn't trust whatever he was, he was going to bring in. Um, so he, he ended up bringing in Lindgren, who served up a, a two run home run to Taylor to tie the game, um, and that pretty much. I mean, the Yankees haven't won any extra. They've won one extra in a game this year, I think. And um, let me uh, let me kind of go back to the Evaldi thing. That was kind of my thought process while it was happening. Later, yeah. later we see that you know Miller was unavailable, Patances was unavailable, so there were there was a lot of limited action, obviously for Girardi at that point, um, which I which I, I guess I can understand uh, bringing Evaldi back again. Um, at, at that point, but I don't know. To me, I, I just kind of want to leave him off on a on a good note. You know, yeah. I, I think I think uh, momentum for starting pitchers is important, and it does play into the way that they pitch on the next mm-hmm. outing. So that that's kind of the way I look at it when when you're uh, when you're dealing with a Valdi, a guy that we're you know we're really trying to to grow the confidence and and you know make him um, progress as a starting pitcher. Yeah, no, I get that. You want to leave a good taste in his mouth, um, you know, for the next start. Obviously, um, I, th- I feel like Girardi's done that a few times this year with Evaldi. He's left him in a little too late. A little yeah, too he's, much. he's trusted him a little too much. Yeah, but that speaks to what's going on in the bullpen. I think um, it does. Yeah. No, I think it does, and I know we're going to get into that too. So, um, so that was Wednesday. We had an off day on Thursday. Uh, Wednesday actually started the uh, the streak going the other way because it seems like that's all we do. Um, uh, Friday was the uh, was the game uh, was the first game against Baltimore at Baltimore uh, with our uh, big big Mike on the mound coming out on on a uh, on longer rest than usual. So, kind of take us through this game. I was uh, on Friday night just to let you guys know because um, we tell you when we don't see the games. <laughs> but I had a, a one of my uh, I had a, a client of mine, uh, Quentin Copel's place for the Jets actually had a. Uh, at a uh, charity event um, in his hometown, so I was actually at that and uh, supporting supporting him and his uh, foundation, and didn't get to see the game. So, so Rich, I'm gonna lean on you. I've I've read a, I've read over it and seen all the highlights, but let's uh, let's talk about Friday. Yeah, Friday was was pretty awful. Um, Yankees got blown out eleven to three, but the big story was Pineda. Uh, you know, the Yankees had skipped his last start. He was coming into this game on ten days rest which is just way too long. Yeah. I don't care if you know who you are. I don't care if you're Nolan Ryan. Ten days rest, you know, pitchers are creatures of habit. Um, and it obviously didn't help Pineda. They're trying to limit his innings, which is a good thing in the long run. But short term, you get nights like Friday, and Pineda just really didn't have it. 
So did you when when you say he didn't have it? Did you see like was he missing the strike zone? Like what what were some of the big things you think you you know he was really struggling with after that? Because I agree with you, ten days is entirely too long. If we're gonna do something like that, you know we it's gotta be you can't miss an entire start and then just just you know two weeks is too much. It's way too much. Yeah, he left some pitches up. Um, you know maybe he was too strong because his velocity was there. Yeah. Um, so he obviously wasn't hurt with that. And also his breaking stuff, his slider just wasn't sharp. And, you know, breaking stuff, it's kind of a feel pitch, you know, sliders, um, curveballs. Um, when you're off for that long, you kind of lose, lose the touch on, uh, on location with, with, uh, with curveballs and sliders and stuff like that. So, uh, Pineda was off on that and that, that kind of hurt him. So there wasn't really too much more to talk about in this game from what I understand. No, uh, and then, I mean, it all started with the first inning. Bases loaded, no out against Ubaldo Jimenez, who throws a 1,000 pitches every time he, he goes out there. You have him on the ropes in the first inning, first game of the, of the series, trying to set the tone, uh, and they don't score. Uh, and that kind of, after that, you kind of figured out it's going to be one of those nights. Pineda doesn't have it, and then you look up two hours later, and it's eleven to three, and you know that's it. So let's move on to Saturday then. Another game that that uh, struck into our, our losing streak. We lost to Baltimore nine to four, and and this game, there, there I think there were a mix of emotions because there were there were some there were some uh, significant things that happened in this game. Um, Sabathia was pitching, and. You know, gives up two two run home runs that were just kind of backbreakers. But you know, I, I think the the second the second of the the two run variety was uh, you know was uh, was a little bit unfortunate because of the defensive uh, situation that happened beforehand. Yeah, I didn't see this game, but I I, I looked at the highlights um, when I got home uh, last night, and uh, I guess to Sharon McCann. There was a pop-up uh, near the dugout, and they both uh, converged on it, and uh, they looked at each other, and the ball fell right between them. Uh, and then later next on, pitch. next it was always next the next pitch. Next batter, yeah. it was out. Of, you know, it was it was immediately after it. It seems like, uh, and then you know, there's a, a bomb that gets hit. But it seems like uh, with Sabathia throughout the season is that his mistakes are are just. Are, are just you know they're escalated right it's like whenever he makes a mistake it seems like it, it just becomes um you know a, a, a catastrophe at that point and so you know he wasn't able to rebound from that uh but you know he he stuck in the game for a little while and a-rod was able to come back in the sixth inning and hit a bomb to right center for rbi's number 2000 and 2001 to tie the game so they got back in the game um i think it was 4-4 at that point and uh and, and then from there um, you know the the Yankees really couldn't do much, and Chris Martin came in, which was he's he's back recently. You know he had some early success in the season. Uh, mm-hmm. He was one of Girardi's go-to guys at that point, I think. Um, was really kind of moving into a significant role late in the game, and you know he just melted down. I mean he was terrible, and uh, and they just they they just kind of shelled Martin at that point. So, but I mean. Let's talk about A Rod a little bit, right? Here's your boy. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's give him his due. A- yeah. He gets uh, two thousand uh, two thousand RBIs. Yeah, second player ever to get two thousand RBIs, which is pretty amazing. That is pretty what, amazing. You know, everything aside, number that's a pretty significant statistic. Yeah, I don't know if he'll stick around long enough to uh, to pass Aaron Hank Aaron in that in in RBIs, but uh, it's pretty impressive when you're talking. Uh, being the only, you know, second player ever in the history of baseball that's 
hundred plus years to uh, to get two thousand RBIs. It's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. And I think what well, we finished that game. So we lost the game nine to four. Um, and he was he's what five after Saturday. I think he's five hits from uh, from three thousand, right? Yeah. And now the Yankees they go to Miami uh, after Sunday's game. Uh, they go to Miami, uh, obviously where there's where there's no DH. So I don't think he's going to play much the two games in Miami. Um, so it looks like he might get three thousand on the homestand, which which would be interesting to see. I think that's a good place for him to get it, to tell you the truth. Um, I, it, you know, if you were to get it in Miami and if you were to actually play in Miami, that would be a place I think that he would probably on the road get one of his better ovations. Um, yeah. But at home, I think I think it's we've seen that the Yankee fans have treated A Rod uh, pretty well this year. You know, I think especially because he's been he's been helpful and he's actually been helping the team and he's been productive. Uh, that 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 goes a long way, I think, with the uh, with the Yankee fans. Yeah, I'd, I I want to see what the fans do. I mean, if he gets it, if he gets the milestone at home, I want to see what the fans' reaction is, what the Yankees put up on the scoreboard to to announce it. Uh, might be a little awkward uh, at first, but um, hopefully we get to see it sooner yeah. rather than later. All right, well let's let's hit up this uh, Sunday game, um, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about A Rod before we close out. But so Sunday we got back on a winning streak, right? I'm gonna call I'm gonna call it a streak because that's what happens, right? We're gonna win like eight in a row now. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Warren starts the game, and you know he's been good his past few starts. He's uh, he he's you know pitched deep into games, or he's gone he's gone deeper into games than than he had early in the season. But today he he kind of labored through um, four and two thirds and. Uh, you know, was hit a little bit, but he, he got through uh, four and two thirds. I, I say laboring is, I, I think, is a little generous. Yeah, he didn't qualify for the win. Uh, didn't make it through five, uh, but he he kept the Yankees in the game, gave him a chance to win, which I guess that's all you can ask for at this point. And. On the other side of that, we actually saw some good news with our bullpen because, you know, we've had I'd, I'd say the three guys that pitched today were the have been have been three of the more not counting Miller just because he's on the deal, but three of the more dependable guys in the in the uh, bullpen this year. So uh, Chase and Shreve was the first guy in who got out of um, the fifth inning, uh, and and then pitched a, another inning after that. Um, was was very good. He he pitched very well. And then uh, Wilson came in and pitched two innings, no hits, no walks, three Ks. I mean, you can't ask for much better than that. These guys do their job. They come in and they and they you know they take. It was a two run lead at that point, and they kept the Yankees um, ahead. So good job on them. Yeah, it's huge because Miller's on the uh, DL, obviously, and Girardi kind kind of needs to you know reestablish the bridge to Batances in the ninth. And for Wilson to go two innings, uh, like you said, no hits, no walks, three strikeouts, that's just a huge boost um, to the team. And hopefully, um, you know, we might we might be seeing Wilson more in the eighth inning now. Yeah, I think so too. He's He and Shreve have been two of the, the, the really good lefties out of the pen. Um, and then, you know, we're still looking for that more dependable right-handed reliever besides Batansis. And, um, you know, hopefully we can find out. Hopefully Jose Ramirez is that guy, but, you mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll see. Another significant thing that happened in this game was, um, you know, that we had, we had bases loaded with no outs twice. And the first time um, they got one run, right? They got one yeah. run and they, they, Kind of let him off the hook, in my opinion. Um, and then the second time, it looked like it was going to happen again. We had we had bases loaded, 
um, off of three walks. And then we walked in a run. So four walks, one run. And one out, two outs. John Ryan Murphy steps up to the plate and delivers um, just a hot shot down third base for a two-out double that scores two. And, and you know, and was the um, the go-ahead RBI. So good, good for John Ryan Murphy stepping up. Yeah, a huge hit. That's probably the uh, the at bat of the game right there. And Machado almost made a ridiculous play, uh, went off his glove. Um, but I was fully expecting Murphy to leave those guys on base, especially with the way the entire series went. They left ten. The Yankees left ten guys on in each game. Um, you know that's hard to do. That's that's a small village you're leaving on base. Um, and today he was he was able to get the hit that put him over the top, but um, that's something they need to work on going forward. Is you know situational hitting when they're not hitting home runs, they need to drive guys in with base hits. And that's the problem, right? It's we 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 talked about this again before. It's you know it's feast or famine with these guys. It's a it's a long ball or nothing. It seems like and a lot of station to station. Um, more after your first uh, first couple batters, um, and then Didi, around, you know, on the in the nine spot if he's in the nine spot. But you're seeing guys laboring around the base path. So it's very good to see John Ryan Murphy do that. And and I tell you, he Machado did almost make a nasty play, and he's made some ridiculous plays in the past. So thankfully, uh, thankfully that ball trickled off his glove. Um, so we're starting another winning streak Sunday. Uh, let's. I just want to talk briefly uh, before we wrap up again a little bit more about A Rod and and kind of the situation with his um, his milestones because you know we we've kind of hit a a point in that contract or the the deadline or whatever it was. Uh, I know you know more about this, so I'll let you speak on that. Yeah, um, Sunday was the deadline, forty five day deadline for uh, A Rod to file a grievance um, against the Yankees. Um, and now it's pushed back until tomorrow. So, so A-Rod has until Monday to file a grievance with the Yankees about them not paying his, um, his bonus. But the Yankees have suggested that they might donate the money to, charity, to a charity of A-Rod's choice, which I think would be the solution to end all of this because that, that way both sides come out looking good. Yep. Um, the Yankees technically get rid of that six million dollars, but it doesn't go to A Rod. It goes to you know it goes to a good cause, um, and A Rod's handled the whole thing great. Um, I think his his whoever he's being advised by has done a good job with you know just being quiet, uh, you know playing playing the game, letting the numbers speak um, instead of fighting with the Yankees and the tabloids. So. Maybe he's actually not being advised anymore. <laughs> no, maybe, you think he's doing it? Maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. this is a Rod just being. I, I spoke about this on the last episode, and I and you know you know my opinions on a Rod. You and I have talked about this, and I and everybody who listens knows my opinions on a Rod. Is that yeah? You know, as a baseball player, I think he's a freak of an athlete. The way he's handled things and the way he went about things, you know, I, I lost a lot of respect for the man, and I, you know, just I don't agree with a lot of things he's done. But he's, I think. In the past, one of his big problems, in my opinion, was he was taking advice and and counseling from the wrong people. And I think he got a lot of really bad advice from people along the way, and especially when he was a younger player. And I truly think, and this is something that I talked about in the last episode, I truly think, and just by looking at him and watching him play and the way he's acting now, 
is that he is truly humbled. I, I, I actually believe that now, uh, just by but just by watching him. I, I think he's humbled by everything that's happened. He knows he was in the wrong. He knows everything he did was not, um, you know, the, the right thing to do. And I, I, I believe, and I don't know, just, just looking at his body language, it actually truly looks like he's humbled. So maybe he's just doing the thing that normal people would do, like a good thing, a good person would do. And I agree with you. I think that if they came to this resolution of donating this money to a charity, it would be great on both sides. It would be absolutely great on both sides. Yeah, no, I agree. He's He seems like a different guy this year than yeah. he has. Um, I think the other day he was he was taking questions from uh, some Spanish reporter. Uh, it was in Spanish, uh, but someone tweeted uh, you know the the interaction between between the two. Uh, the guy asked Arod, "What's your single biggest regret?" Um, and Arod goes, "How much time do you have?" <laughs> yeah. So that was the kind of, you know, that's a different response than I think we would have gotten from Arod even last year. Yeah. So I think he's really, uh, like you said, humbled uh, by everything. And even when he when he tied Mays uh, with the right. home runs at Fenway, there was that shot of him looked like he was bawling his eyes out. Um, so I, I don't. I think that he can't believe what he's doing this year, and um, he's kind of surprised by it, and uh, you know he's humbled by it. Yeah, I totally agree. I I, I totally agree. And you know, hopefully the uh, hopefully the humility continues, and and he does um, you know just continues to to play good baseball because right now he looks relaxed. He looks like a kid playing a uh, you know he looks like a kid playing a kid's game to tell you the truth. Yeah. And, and uh, that's usually when when these guys are playing at their best. So good for him, and uh, you know. Obviously, as a Yankee fan, I'm glad he's having a good season uh, yeah. on the field as well. So, well, that wraps up uh, this week in uh, in Yankee baseball. So, hopefully, we can continue this uh, this one win on Sunday and uh, and roll it into uh, to some more wins. So, Rich, thanks again for for coming on, and um, you know we'll see you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.